You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. It is game week, guys. Nebraska versus Illinois. We got a special guest joining us later. And it is Big Kurt from the Eyes on Big podcast. That's going to be a blast. Uh, But guys, before we get into that, let's talk about a few things that has happened in Huskerland this week. Uh, Number one, black shirts. Black shirts were released this week. Usually, well, not usually, but it seems like it's been the trend that black shirts are released later in the year. But here we are, before the season, black shirts. Derek, who received them? Uh, you know, before we get into who received them, let's, let's, let's understand that this year our defense is expected to kind of carry the team. It's supposed to be the strength of, the, of this team. Yep. So, so it's not a surprise that they're getting them before the season rather than later. True. Uh, but we'll get into who, who got them. Uh, I think the, most of the names on here will be fairly anticipated. Uh, ben Stilley, uh, Ty Robinson, Damian Daniels, Jojo Doman, Markel Dismuke, Deontay Williams, Cam Taylor-Britt, uh, Garrett Nelson, Luke Reimer, uh then there was a couple, three, about three in here that I think were a little surprising to people. When you talk about Nick Henrik, Caleb Tanner, and DeAndre Thomas. And it, the reason they're surprising is the fact that there was a second cornerback being lacked out of being a, of a black shirt, so there's still a spot open. Right. Uh, I, I think people... Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe there, I think there's a lot of people out there that were surprised that Casey Rogers didn't get one over DeAndre Thomas. Yep. I was uh, one of I those. Think, I, and I think Caleb Tanner maybe a little bit was a surprise. I was fine with it. I, I'm fine with it. I just I think it was a little bit of a surprise. I would not have expected him to get a black shirt over one of the cornerbacks. Well, I mean that is uh, that's a huge thing because that's the only open position that we have that did not receive a black shirt right now, you know. And right now we're being told that Braxton Clark and Quentin Newsom they're in a fierce battle. Uh, I I like the fact that that's going on. Uh, Tariq Johnson is a notable mention that's not being addressed in there, the five star transfer from Ohio State, but. That's fine. I'll say I'll say I'll say this. You do talk about Tyreek Johnson, but Tyreek Johnson was talked about numerous times in the or during his fall camp of pushing guys. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know that he's out of the conversation of playing time. No, no, no. I don't think anybody's uh, suggesting that. Uh, Tyler, what did you think about the black shirt handouts here? Well, you talked about DeAndre Thomas maybe being a surprise, and I, I tend to agree with you. I think. You know the, the 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 coaching staff had seemed pretty uh, snobbish on what they were going to give out in black shirts in previous years, especially on the uh, initial lease. But you know, DeAndre Thomas is. You look at his legacy at Nebraska. I mean, this is a guy that got playing time fairly early on in his career, but seemed to be getting passed up by guys on this roster, uh, Ty Robinson, and then eventually Casey Rogers. 
but he was getting significant snaps early last year before he got injured in Penn State. So I, I to me, like the fact that he's getting one and Casey Rogers isn't isn't a slight on Casey Rogers. It's man, we're we're five six deep at that defensive line position. Um you know, I think Pledarius Payne is gonna be a guy that's going to take snaps this fall. I don't know how many, but I think he's gonna get on the field. The faith the fact that Caleb Tanner is getting snaps just gives me a little bit more confidence of what we're gonna see out of these black shirts. Yep. I think the sky's the limit. I think the whole team this year is going to rely heavily on what the black shirts can and can't do. That's that's the uh that's the state that we're in right now. We need these guys to succeed. There's a lot of talent. Uh, there's a lot of returning starters there, super seniors. I mean, golly. We got to get up there, and I think this is the uh, this is the side of the ball that, that can get us there. I want to move on to something that happened today. Uh, Matt Lubick in referencing the running back uh, room. He said that they think that they identified a guy that can carry the ball 20 to 26 times. Uh, They think they have their starter. They're not going to name that guy. Uh, What does that say to you, Tyler? Well, I mean, that that is an interesting comment. We'll yet to see if it's true. But to me, when I heard that comment, the first name that came to mind is Marquis Step. Because I I think Savion Morrison could be a player. I, I say this again. I've said this phrase a lot this offseason. With running back, I speak with no conviction. But I, I, I'm starting to think Marquis Step is going to be game one starter. Really? Interesting. Derek, what about you? I, I completely disagree with you, Tyler. I think, I think Savion Morrison is going to be the starter. Uh, I, I think what by talking the 20 to 25 carries a game guy and the health issues that Marquis Step has had makes me t- it tells me that they don't want to give Marquis Step that kind of carries. Like he's had issues health wise since he started in college football. I don't know what his high school career looked like, but it's, it's I struggle to see where. A guy that's struggled with injuries all of a sudden this year, you're going, yeah, let's give him the ball 20 to 25 times a game. It gets gets tricky, though, if you try to work it backwards, right? If you have your offensive coordinator say that they have a guy identified that can carry the ball 20 to 26 times, working backwards, you almost have to eliminate Gabe Irvin, right? Because a a, uh, true freshman coming in, you're not going to trust a true freshman for 20 to 26, right? It's, I'm sure he's going to get his opportunities, but 2026 is very bold. So, and, and, and no, and no, in this podcast, that's probably the starter. Probably, probably. But if you work backwards from that, because we all like to be wrong so many times, you know, we're always wrong. Yeah, but Sevian Morrison. So, in my mind, it narrows it down to Sevian Morrison or Marquis Step, right? Uh, Marquis Step, he's never been the go-to guy at USC. I mean, he was he played his little supporting role or whatever you want to call it, but he wasn't the go-to guy ever there. And then you have Sevian Morrison. He's the unknown because he's been in the program a couple of years, 
is he the guy? God damn. You know what? Maybe he maybe he really is the guy. Uh nobody really heard his name being brought up about in Huskerland uh in fall camp up until the last week, week and a half, right? I mean I, I think you heard him. I, I think Savion Morrison no, was a Not guy. to the extent that you're hearing him of now. He was definitely part of the five. I mean Yeah, he was yes. part of the five, but he he was not trimmed down to the fat, you know? I mean I I am not shocked that he made the final three. You know, I I, I mean, if if you went back through my notes as the seasons got on, like I had Scott as the game one starter at one point. I had Gabe Irvin as a guy who I thought could start. I I will say I never had Sevion Morrison until the last week as a guy that I really thought would be the starter. But I I always thought that he'd find. I always thought he'd be in the top two or three. I, I always thought he would be a guy. That would get playing time this fall. That's the first time uh, you've I, ever said that on this podcast, though. Is it though? Yes, I, I will say that I, after the spring game, specifically mentioned Sevian Morrison. Look, looked good. Like I, I thought he had some good runs in this in the spring game. Nobody has now, talked I, about I, him I, being a starting role up until I don't, recently. I, I don't think I would have talked about him as being a starting role now. And we but still I, don't know. We still, and don't, we still know. don't know. He may not be we, we the don't. guy. But I, I think it's interesting. What, what I, I, I just think the way the media and the way I, I guess maybe I'm reading too much into social media too, but everything you're hearing, it's hard for me not to believe it's Sevian Morrison at this point. Even if the coaches won't say it. Well, we will find out here just in a few days. Uh, I think it's an interesting development. But I do think it's interesting them saying twenty to twenty six carries because with all of those talented twenty six, I thought it was twenty to twenty five. Did I read it wrong? I thought it, I, I thought he said twenty to twenty six. At least I, I the, could be wrong. The tweet I, I, that I saw. There, there is twenty six is an odd number for me to think that they said that. I guess, but there is very little shot that I I, I could I could see a scenario where a guy gets twenty carries against Illinois. There is, I would bet, a good amount of money that we will not see 25. I, I, I can agree with that. But I will say this. So the guy that gets 20 carries in game one, do you think that's the same guy that gets 20 carries in game 12? For the longevity of the season, I hope so. I hope they found a guy. I, I do, too. I do, too. I just don't know if I see it right now. I, I'm with you, Derek. I, I'm not convinced they, they, they have this figured out. I don't and know that the guy I don't know that the guy that gets 20 carries against Illinois is the same guy that gets 20 carries against Buffalo. So is that a good sign or a bad sign amongst this coaching staff? They've had a whole year. I, I think it's re- a good sign. That, that, that I, they don't know who that they want to roll with? I, I think it's a good sign that they have that many running backs that they feel confident in. I agree. I think I think that's a good sign. I think the concern is, so I, I, I think I think what's optimistic is that they're talking about the twenty carries. I think that's something you guys have alluded to that you want to see a primary back. Um, I don't. I personally do not care. Like I do not mind at the end of the season if we look at running backs and we see three guys all have their games, all have their time to shine, all this stuff. Where I where I but I I I do. I, I again I, I think there's a lot of ways to draw up the running back position. I think you can do it by committee. I think you do it three guys. I think you could do a lot, but I, I do think there is something to be said that the fact that they are seeing a guy that could be 
a primary back. Whether that and, happens or not, or I think that is something to be said. And that's my point. That's my point. Right now, the, the, they are saying is that they think that they have their guy that can go 20 to 25 carries a game. And if they start somebody else next week, what the hell are they looking at? I, mean, well, I think if, it depends. I think, I think just because you – because all these guys don't – to your point, none of these guys have this. So you could see a guy that they think is that 20-carry a guy well, in Illinois – he may get 18 carries. He may get 17, 20, whatever it is. But he may average 3.8 yards a carry. And that number two guy who gets nine carries, well, he might go six or seven. I mean, you might see it unfold as you get in the game. And that's okay to me. Here's also the thing. You have to look at who our opponents are first three games. Like, yeah, we might be in a dogfight against Illinois. And we may need a running back get 25 carries or 20 carries. I guess Fordham. I mean, he may have 100 yards off 10 carries and not need. We may not need to run him again. So why why waste him at that point? Well, I, I agree. And, but, I mean. And you and you might discover that number two guy comes in and he starts doing. I mean, again, there's a lot. There's a lot. Again, I will not read. Every, I, I do not make this as an indictment on the staff if they don't have this figured out. Okay. There's a lot of new players. I, I, I've, new. Said, I've said since I think spring that they didn't need to necessarily figure out the running back situation until the Oklahoma game. I think I think by Oklahoma game, you need to know who your go-to guy is. And I think I've said that several times. And, 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 the, and the reality is there is a good chance. I mean, as much as you don't wish it, there's a good chance there will be injuries. So I think the fact that there are these guys in the play, this is a good sign for the season. Um, ho- I, hopefully it's a good sign. Hopefully it, it means the, that they're that good and not that bad and not reason for the gap. For, for those first three games, I want to see all three of these backs as much as possible. I don't know if I want to see a go-to back. Unless the go-to back is just dominating like in Amir Abdullah season. But I don't think that's happening. So I don't know if I want to see a, a guy be the featured back until uh, until the Oklahoma game. I want to see what these other two other two can do. We will find out shortly enough. Derek, is there anything else that we need to cover before we bring on our guest? Uh, no, I think we've covered cornerbacks, running backs, and black shirts. All right. Well, let's bring them on. We now welcome in Big Kurt of the Eyes on Big Con- uh, podcast. Welcome, Kurt. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, so how is it going this game week here? Well, I, I think all you said all you need to say. It's game week. It can't be going bad for either of us. We're both undefeated on the season so far. So I'm just ready for some football and some normal football with fans and with excitement and passion and I'm just, I could not be more excited, especially for this game, because I think there's just so many storylines here. There are. Well, let's talk about one of the bigger uh, storylines with Illinois right now. Brett Bielema, uh, new head coach there. What do you think of uh, Brett Bielema, and how is he being received amongst the uh, Illini Nation fans there? Well, I'll start by saying he's being received very well right now, although I think that didn't happen immediately. I know it didn't happen for me, and I think I speak for a lot of Illini Nation when I say when he was hired, I was, I guess, a little bit underwhelmed because I kind of had my eye on Lance Leipold, and it it seemed like everything was kind of trending 
towards Lance Leipold. And the reason I liked him was because he's just won everywhere he's gone. Brett, you know, he technically he's a retread. He got fired from Nebraska or from uh, Arkansas. So, um, sorry guys, I didn't mean to. <laughs> that, that <stuff> up there. <laughs> You're projecting. Um, <laughs> so he he'd gotten fired, and I just didn't want a retread. Even though looking back at his Arkansas days, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. But I just wanted a guy who is a winner first. Uh, watch the the Buffalo. Mac championship game on a Friday night, expected him to get announced as the coach the next morning. Uh, was a little skeptical about what Leipold might be able to do as a recruiter. And then I wake up Saturday morning and it's Bielema, which was a little surprising for me. I wasn't angry about it by any means, but I was just a little disappointed. And that started changing after about an hour because I'm looking at Twitter and I'm hearing he's on college game day right now. And so I run downstairs, turn on game day. There he is. He's in his car driving from New York to State College because he's going to go to the Illinois-Penn State game that night, something that our you know, our previous coach would have never done. And then he's he's on TV that night during the game. And then uh, the, the next day, Sunday, he calls the president of the Illinois High School Football Co- Coaches Association, and he, he promises he's going to get in touch with every high school, every single high school in the state, which he followed through on. He was recruiting basically that Monday. He was not only just re- recruiting, you know, high school players, but he's re-recruiting players on the team to keep them there and keep them out of the transfer portal. And he's just been a great face for the program. And I guess when he was on the, the during the Penn State game, kind of reminded me what, something I'd forgotten, just what a gregarious guy he is. So I'll say by Monday, I was I had flipped from Saturday morning to Monday. It took me about two days to say, OK, I think this is our guy. And, you know, if you look back at the Lovey Smith hire, I think that type of personality is kind of what we needed at the time after the regretful Tim Beckman years. But I think right now is what we need is a personality like Brett Bielema. So. I couldn't be happier with it. And I think there's a lot of other Illini Nation that at first weren't overwhelmed, but have come around. And even on message boards, even admitted they were wrong and they're happy to have Bielma. So it's it's damn near 100% buy-in right now. But of course, he's undefeated. Yeah. Wait till that first loss comes. But mm-hmm. uh, So let's talk about this week zero matchup, Nebraska-Illinois in Champaign. Uh, you know, Brett Bielema, Brand new coach. Nobody knows what he's going to be bringing. So who does this matchup really benefit more? Is it Nebraska or is it Illinois? It's a good question. Uh, Bielema, first of all, has really kept things under wraps. He has not let the media into practices. He gives them 15 minutes here and there at practices. So if you go watch the spring game, he kept everything very basic, very vanilla. So we don't know fully what to expect. Um, when, when I was looking ahead to this game last year, I kept thinking this really plays into Illinois' favor, new schemes on both sides of the ball. But the more I think about it, uh, Nebraska in their fourth year with the same schemes, nothing's new. They're just, they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, coming together as a, as a program, their, their roster's improving. There's no questions about what they're doing. I, I think year one, game one of any 
coach is not great, especially offensively. It takes offense longer to come together than defense. So I think this does favor Nebraska a little bit. Now, the element of surprise is obviously on the side of Illinois. We don't really know exactly what they're going to be doing on defense. Don't really know exactly what they're going to be doing on offense. Can probably take a guess. But I, I think you could possibly see Illinois come out hot but then see some adjustments really change that quickly. So maybe they get out to a quick score in the first quarter or something, but then things settle down. But I think I think the timing favors Nebraska. What do you gentlemen think? Derek? You know, I, I tend to agree with you. I it, It's going to be tough for Scott Frost and staff to, to know what's coming because they're not going to know because hell, Illinois fans don't know what's coming, right? So I that, that's definitely going to be a hard hard spot to be in. I just my question is is are are, are all these coaches going to be on the same page? I mean they haven't coached a lot together. You're coaching in your first game. Uh, are the players going to be on the same page as the coaches? It, it's it's tough to do, and, and I, I don't envy Brett Bielma having to face a, any Big Ten opponent as his very first game. I think that's a very next to impossible situation to get put into right off the bat. I will say maybe one more thing in the favor of Illinois is there's just no pressure on Illinois in this game, right? They're kind of expected to lose this game. It's not expected to look great in game one of year one. So conversely, there is pressure on the Nebraska program. They got to start. Frost has to start proving himself this year, you know, otherwise he, I don't think he's on the hot seat right now. I'm not one of those guys. But I think if he doesn't improve this year, he is probably going to be in the hot seat next year. I think if he doesn't improve this year, you're going to see a whole new staff next year. Or maybe not a whole new staff, but you're going to see a lot of uh, assistant coaches hit the road. Uh, he, and he's not going to have a choice in the matter. It's going to be either replace some guys and get better or or go out the door yourself. Tyler, who do you think it favors? Yeah, I mean, I think I tend to agree with where we are, what we're talking about. But, you know, on the side of um, that, it probably slightly favors um, Illinois and the element of surprise. Um, I agree with everything you said that Nebraska has got it figured or should have it figured out. What I will say is, especially on the offensive side, while we do have the same scheme, we're playing new people. Like, I mean, our starting three wide receivers will have never started a game game in theory at Nebraska or whoever takes a snap at running back will have never taken a division one snap at Nebraska. Uh, Marquis step could be the starter. And obviously he has, but you know, there's going to be a lot of figuring out. Um, Nebraska is going to be expected to do on offense. The rotations were deep. What does the coaches do there? So, you know, playing a big 10 team on the road is no easy task, no matter what. And uh, not, be a hundred percent possibly on some of these rotations could be a challenge for Nebraska. And also the last three years, Nebraska started off very slow in the week and uh, game one. They, they just don't, they haven't started out well. And uh, it's a pretty tough game right here, right off the bat here. Uh, I want to talk about the line real quick, Kurt. Uh, it opened up like at nine and a half this summer. Now it's down to seven. I was talking to Derek earlier tonight. Uh, he grabbed a little bit of money at when it dipped down to six and a half briefly. Uh, what do you think about this line? Is this w about where you thought it would be? Well, when it opened, it, I was a little surprised at how big the line was. Uh, I guess the more I think about it, the more it, it makes sense. Desert people do seem to know what they're what they're doing out there. 
Uh, I, I think as it's come down to around, I think it's hovering around seven lately. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's it. That seems pretty reasonable to me. And I mean, there's a couple things in play there. You look at what happened last year. Illinois goes into Nebraska and has a great performance and wins easily. So I know a lot of Illini fans are like, I don't get this. But for me, it comes back to the, the new schemes on both sides of the ball. That really plays against Illinois. So I, I can understand the, the seven line, and I'm, I'm really on the edge of that line, to be honest with you. Well, I'll add this to last year's game. Like, we have Luke McCaffrey playing. We have five turnovers. I don't think you're going to expect that out of the, out of this team this year. Like I, I'm not saying we're winning the turnover battle, but you can't count on five turnovers and putting you in great spots to get touchdowns as easy as we did last and year. And we'll do that a little more. I uh, don't want to get ahead of myself, but I've got a little bit to say about that later on too. All right. Before we get into the offense and defense here, I do want to ask one thing here about the game. Uh, let's talk about injuries real quick. Uh, are there any major injuries on the Illinois front that we should be aware of? No, they, they, there's a, a reserve offensive lineman who broke his ankle. He's out for the year. And a name that you guys may remember from the recruiting days, Marquez Beeson. Right. So he's he basically has hardly stepped on the field at Illinois. He's been injured really the whole time he's been in Champaign. He apparently tweaked his hamstring pretty badly, although it sounds like maybe it's it wasn't quite as bad as they initially feared but he was a reserve wide receiver so in terms of the starters no they're very healthy so far and i would say even too deep is pretty pretty much unscathed right now okay let's turn it over to tyler and talk uh, offense well before we do that just on injuries you know when i i don't hear a lot from lincoln in terms of injuries you hear rumors but you don't know do you trust what you're hearing out of illinois like because I, I, you know, we're not hearing a lot of injury reports, but I'm not convinced we're going to be 100 percent healthy come Saturday. So do I trust what Bielema's putting yes. out there? Yes, the injuries I, that know, no one's banged up. I hadn't thought about that. It's I, I, I don't know. It's a good question he, because he is he's keeping everything as under wraps as he possibly can. Um, like I said, he is not letting the press watch these practices. So. Everyone's just guessing as to what we're going to see. So, yeah, I guess that's possible. Like, he's just, oh, he's throwing an injury out here because it's a reserve. He's throwing another one out here because it's a reserve. I guess we'll find out on game day. We also might find out it, they're teasing uniforms right now. I don't know what we'll see. It's the it's going to be the 20th reunion of the 2001 Big Ten championship chip team for Illinois. So I kind of had this feeling maybe they would – wear throwback uniforms and they tease some uniforms today, but you couldn't see them. They were just blurred out. So I don't know. He, I think he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. So it wouldn't surprise me, Tyler. I think that's yeah. an interesting point. So let, let's talk about this offense. So you talked about not knowing what to ex- expect. And I think that a lot of Nebraska fans think that Brett Bielma is going to be there. They're going to be Wisconsin 2.0. Um, when we start breaking down the strengths and weaknesses, it sure would make sense if that's what they would be. Um, but you bring in an offensive coordinator and Tony Peterson. This is a guy that has 20 years of offensive coordinator experience. And, you know, I, I didn't know much about him, but you look at some of his stops, you know, he was at law tech, um, where they, he finished 13th in the country in passing ECU, where he ran the air raid and top 20 passing. And then he goes to app state where he's seventh in the country and rushing. So, I don't know who he is. I don't know how he's going to gel with Bielma. What is their offense going to look like? 
It's a great question. I'm not sure that my guess is going to be any better than yours. I'm glad you brought those things up because the one thing that I do like about Tony is he seems to be able to adapt to whatever personnel he has. He he was also at Minnesota back in the Glenn Mason days when they were just pounding the ball, power running game, kind of like Wisconsin. I do think eventually that's what they're going to end up doing, but I think they're going to have to adjust to what they have on campus right now. They were not recruiting these big road grader offensive linemen under Lovey Smith. It was usually smaller, quicker guys, a lot of a lot of pulling action on the line. So maybe he'll mix in some of that. But I think you're going to see a healthy dose of the tight ends because I think I mean, just what Bila wants to do. Uh, he, I think they're up to like, is it 12 tight ends on the roster right now? It's some ridiculous number. I think they went from five to 11 or 12, something like that. They were switch, They were bringing transfers in. They were taking guys, moving them from, from the defense to tight end. So I think you'll see a lot of action there. And I do think they're still going to lean on the run game, which is kind of what they did in the Lovey Smith there. This kind of was their strength. So um, maybe not quite Wisconsin yet, but I think they will be trending that direction eventually. Okay. So when, when you talk about the strength of Illinois, I mean, I think we kind of hit it there. I, I think their offensive line is criminally underrated. I mean, I know you alluded to pro- maybe not quite the style that Bielma wants, but I mean, I, I would take that offensive line in Lincoln right now. I think they're a, you know, not quite that premier group in the Big Ten, but probably that tier right below it. So I think that's one of the strengths of the team. When you look at this Illini offense, what do you think is one of the biggest strengths? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would say the offensive line and to, to get a little bit deeper, they bring back both their tackles and they bring back their center. They are replacing the guards. Uh, kind of, They are undersized overall on the offensive line. Um, so I do think the guards, though, will be will be a, a little bit weaker than the outside and the center. But I mean, the two tackles in the center, I, I think – I, I'll agree with you. Not not elite in the Big Ten, but probably that next level. So I think they can plug in a couple guards. They they brought in some transfers, so I think they'll be serviceable. I do think it's the offensive line, but then probably after that, I mean the tight ends are good, but I think I'd probably go running back because the running back room is really deep. It's not that they're so good, but they're just deep. They they go four deep in the running back room. I trust all four of them. Do you think Chase Brown is going to be that guy? Like, I, I thought he looked good last year. He ran for over 500 yards in a shortened season. Um, I, I know you guys have talked about the depth there, but I would just have him penciled in as a 25 a carry guy. Like, I think that he seems like he fits that mold and he produced last year. Why Why am I wrong? Uh, I guess the reason I don't think that's going to happen is just because I think, especially in today's day and age, you need to keep everyone happy if you want to keep them on campus. So they've got some talent behind him. Reggie Love is a really talented younger guy. Chase Hayden is a transfer they brought in. Bielema had recruited him when he was at Arkansas, and he kind of bounced to ECU and back. And then Mike Epstein is a fifth-year guy who is really talented, but he's another guy who just can't stay healthy. But I think you know they wanted him to come back. He was deciding whether or not he was going to. He was kind of injured again. He decided to come back. So I, I feel like they got to give him some carries, you know, just for for lifetime achievement award. So I think, yeah, that's my answer is I think you got to keep everyone happy. So I, I just don't see them giving it to Chase that many times. OK, so so obviously I think that there's a lot of uh, people that believe that the wide receiver room is not great. 
and I'm trying to be polite here. Um, but yeah, it's not good. I mean, I think that's what we see. Am I, are we wrong? Breaks down the weaknesses of this team. Okay. So the, I agree with you. First of all, I would say six months ago, Illinois was easily the worst wide receiver room in the big 10, but they've really shored up the talent there. They moved uh, Marquez Beeson, as I mentioned earlier, from cornerback to wide receiver. He was a four-star guy, like top 100 type recruit. So really talented guy. If he could stay healthy, that may help him out. Probably the biggest addition is Isaiah Williams moving from quarterback to wide receiver. This guy's a little jitterbug. He's quick as a hiccup. Not necessarily a burner, but he's as fast as anyone on the field. This guy was recruited by everybody and their brother. Also top 100-ish type of player. And then they have some transfers. Brian Hightower did play last year. He was a transfer from Miami. He was coming out at the end of the year. They've got a guy in from Missouri. So they did really change the look of that wide receiver room, but they're mostly unproven. So I I think you can kind of make parallels with the Nebraska wide receiver room where Nebraska has some really talented players, but a lot of them just haven't played yet or haven't proven it in the field yet. So, um, my, my last question is is kind of going to the quarterback. Brandon Peters comes back. Uh, seems like he's been there or playing college football between Michigan and Illinois forever. Um, how, how do you rate him going into what we believe or I believe is his last year? He has no more eligibility, right? Like he's this finally. Will, yeah. OK, this will be it. OK, Yeah. so he's a talented guy. But I mean, I wouldn't put him like top half of the Big Ten talent, but. The thing I'm most excited about for Brandon is he's going to finally be playing in a scheme that I think fits him better with, you know, a strong running game and play action passing. I don't think they're going to be asking him to do any read option anymore, which was a staple of the the Rod Smith offense. So he's just going to be asked to be a pocket quarterback, which is what he is. So I think he's going to feel more comfortable. And I think just the play calling, the style of offense suits him more. So I I think he can do well. The thing I'm most scared about is his history with concussions, because if Brandon goes down, which which could easily happen, um, there's not much behind him. It could get ugly real fast. Kurt, I got to ask you something. How do you feel about Illinois' ability, Illinois' their, uh, ability to move the ball against Nebraska's defense? Well, Nebraska, obviously, that's the strength of their team coming back. I, If you look at the game last year, I felt like the Illinois offensive line did a really good job controlling the line of scrimmage. So I, I do have some confidence they can do that. But Nebraska is one year older, one year wiser, one year stronger. So I don't know. We'll see. That's why they play the game, right? Okay. Derek? All right. Well, I was going to get into this with all but, your and, and Can I interrupt you again? Sure. Sorry, can I add one more thing? Sure. They're going to have to throw the ball somewhat effectively to keep the running game going. So that's a big question because of those wide receivers, and, like Tyler had mentioned. That's and wasn't, and wasn't Brandon Peters like 48% completion percentage last year? Yeah, it was, it was something in that range. Yeah. It, it, it didn't look too good. So it's got to be a little scary. Sure. Yeah, and I, I, I will say as we kind of get into this more, um, you know, I think that's the name of the game. If Nebraska can get them to third and five and or any time of passing down, I think that that is what we want. And it's not because we're going to blitz. It's because I don't think we need to. I think I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm the hubris on our secondary is a little high here, but like 
I think you're daring them to throw the ball. Um, I think you're going to bait. I think there's not going to be a lot of separation in it. If Brandon Peters can hit those tight windows, then I think obviously he'll have success, but I think it's going to come down to how accurate is he? Cause I, I would be shocked if we're dialing up pressure in that third down. I think we, we dare him to throw. I, I think that's probably the smart way to go too. Like I said, the wide receivers of Illinois, I, I do think there's talent. I just think it's unproven. And I do really like the secondary of Nebraska as well. So I would take the same chance. All right. Well, let's get into the defense here. This is uh, always more fun to talk about. I think uh, you guys got new defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, a uh, great up and coming coach. I mean, he's one of the top names of, of, of up and coming defensive coordinators. Really uh, had some really good years at Missouri there. He did have a, very porous year last year. And I, I didn't watch a lot of Missouri games. I don't know what happened, uh, but it, it, it didn't look good last year. Uh, but other than that, he's had, he's had like top 15 defenses at, there at Missouri. So it, he's done well for himself. Uh, so any, any chance he's going to be able to turn things around right away? Cause Illinois defense was not uh, great last year. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I'm much more bullish on the Illinois offense than the defense. Not that I think their offense is going to be, you know, one of the tops in the Big Ten. But I think, you know, obviously they struggled in the Lovey era. I, I just think they're really lacking at a couple different positions right now. So um, I, it, it's going to be tough for him. I, although I will say, boy, I don't know. I, Lovey averaged like something like. 460 yards a game given up in his in his career at Illinois. So I think he can improve on that. But yeah, I'm not expecting this to be a defense first type of team. Let, let me ask you this, because really Lovey had a decent uh, year in 2019 with defense. Uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, it, I mean, it wasn't great, but I mean, his turnover, he, he had like the fourth most turnovers in the country and had 25 sacks, which was middle of the pack. Uh, his pass defense was really good. Uh, they were only averaged like 212 yards. Uh, then last year, it kind of fell apart on him. I don't, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, did, was there a lot of guys sitting out last year, or was, did, was it just graduation? Or uh, So I would say the, the, the pass defense was only serviceable in 2019 because the run defense was so bad, nobody needed to pass on them. <laughs> um, there just wasn't a heck of a lot they they did well. Um, did they have people sitting out? No. Did they have a tremendous amount of injuries? No, not really. I think it it just came down to him. Well, here's here's a famous quote that that Lovey made after he'd left the program and was with the Texans. They asked him why his defenses weren't better. And he said, oh, we just never had a, we never, we didn't have enough time to install anything more than a base defense. In five that. years, he didn't have enough time to install anything more than a base defense. I mean, just tells I, me he, maybe the, the effort level wasn't there on Lovey's part. Maybe. Because I, I think you guys have good players on defense. I do. Jake Hansen, possibly one of the better linebackers in the Big Ten, really. He's a, you know, a guy churns out some stats. He's. Had a couple interceptions, sacks. I mean, he just he's done great things there. Uh, I, I think your defensive line's pretty good with K, uh, Calvin Avery, uh, Rod, Roderick Perry, and Owen Car Carney. Uh, your secondary scares me a little bit, but they haven't been atrocious. Uh, but 
I, I, well, Tyler will disagree. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I think that their secondary, I mean, I, I think pro football focus may have said this. So I'm quoting them, but said they are the worst secondary in power five. And I, I think that they're not wrong. I, I'm not going to argue with them. They did bring in some, some reserves on that side too. But again, a lot, a lot of unproven uh, players there. You got, they brought in Eddie Smith from, from Alabama, who I'm excited about. I'm excited that they're playing him at safety because our safety play last year was atrocious. I do like our starting two cornerbacks. They're fine. They're not great. But, boy, if they have an injury at cornerback, it gets ugly real quick. Um, we're not sure if the cornerback three got carted off the other day or if it was wide receiver Brian Hightower. Both were number seven. Nobody knows. <laughs> Neither would be good, but I think I'd prefer it was – Hightower as the wide receiver, because if we lose our third cornerback, he hasn't played much. He's a fifth year guy. After him, it's a former walk on and then a bunch of freshmen. So I think that's that's something that the Huskers can really exploit. Um, They have talented wide receivers. This is the opportunity to show it, I think. Well, I, I, I guess where I would come with that, too, is I think. I wonder if the size difference with Nebraska's wide receivers, because they're all 6'2", 6'3", guys now. Or at least the ones projected that we're, we all think are going to start. And, you, and you're sitting at a bunch of – I mean, I think every one of your defensive backs are six foot. And there's not a huge difference there, but 50-50 balls can come out pretty good yeah. when you got two, three inches on a guy. And Devin Witherspoon, number 31, I really like him. He's real feisty, but he's an undersized guy overall. He's pretty thin. So I, I think you could maybe take advantage of some physicality against him. I mean, I, I I do think that their coverage hasn't been the best, but they have gotten a lot of interceptions over the last couple of years. So yeah, Levy was pretty good at at creating turnovers overall. So I it's, it's that's why I don't think they're as bad as what Tyler probably thinks they are. But and I'm glad, but it's, it's still it's still definitely not a strength. And no, no. Uh, speaking of strength, what what would you lead into saying the strength of this defense is? So I think it was Tyler mentioned the inside linebackers. To me, it's it's the inside linebackers. I really like our top four at that position. You got Hanson that you mentioned, C.J. Hart's a transfer from NC State. You've got Kalen Tolson, who is just an absolute beast, and then Tariq Barnes. I like all four of those guys. I have a lot of confidence in all of them. And I do think our defensive line is slightly underrated. You had mentioned Roderick Perry. You had mentioned Calvin Avery behind those two guys. At the nose is another four-star guy named Virtus Brown. And I like our, our couple uh, three, four defensive ends as well. And I think Owen Carney could be – we really need someone to create a pass rush that could be Owen Carney coming up from the from the outside linebacker position, which is essentially a, a defensive end in this scheme. Yeah, and the guy had five sacks last year. I mean – Yep. Yeah, kind of a breakout. I believe, he led the team. I believe he led the team last year. He did, yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah, I, there's no doubt he can get some pressure. Uh, no. So, I guess we've kind of already talked about the weaknesses, but uh, is there anything more you want to add to the weaknesses? Uh, well, one thing I'm a little concerned about, because we're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4, so I'm concerned about the defensive lineman learning a two-gap scheme versus a one-gap, and I'm concerned about the, the outside linebacker on the other side, whether it's going to be Isaiah Gay starting or Seth Coleman starting. Both are good athletes but they're going to be asked to play a little bit in space and drop back into coverage from time to time. We don't know if they can do that. We have no idea. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, Nebraska fans know all too well what it's like going from a 4-3 to a 3-4 and how 
bad that can look at times. Yeah, so for Nebraska fans, I think our defense, if you want to know what it's going to look like, I think it's going to look like the Nebraska defense in, in, the, in the basic terms. Do I know what kind of shells we're going to run in coverage? No, I have no idea. Um, I would recommend we play a lot of zone against uh, against Nebraska because of the running ability of, of Adrian Martinez, which he has exhibited against Illinois in the past. But, you know, from basic lining up, standpoint it's going to look like a nebraska defense so kurt if you are scott frost and offensive coordinator matt lubick your game plan against illinois defense should be what my game plan against the illinois defense i mean i think run a balanced attack but you've got i, I think you've got to be able to throw the ball i shouldn't say that i think to to really exploit them throw the ball I guess is the way, the way I would put it. I, we don't, I, I don't know how we're going to generate a pass rush. If that's just pure Owen Carney, or if it's coming with a lot of blitzes, but I don't see us getting to the quarterback really well. And our coverage is not great either. So that's not a good combination for a defense. Tyler, did you have yeah. something? Yeah. So when you say that, I kind of hear like if, if Nebraska wants to potentially win big, throw the ball. It, yeah. if, if, if it's big, but there's risk there, right? Like we, sure. you know, I, I've talked, we've talked about this a little bit. Like I, I believe Adrian Martinez can ran, run for a hundred yards against Illinois. I, I don't think there's any doubt that he can go out there and score, but I don't know if that's best for Nebraska long-term. I don't know, you know, if that's really the tactic you want to go out and say, Hey, Adrian, go run it 15 times, do what you do. And I mean, there's a lot of games ahead of him with a week zero matchup. And I mean, save those carries as the season evolves. Yep. Uh, so he, he's run for prior to last year, which I just throw out because he barely played, which I thought was a poor decision on Scott Frost's part. But the year before he ran for 118 yards against Illinois, I think the year before that ran for not a ton, but like 55 yards. He ran for a TD at least in one of those games. He threw for three TDs in each of those games. He absolutely killed Illinois and a big part of that, I thought, was his dual threat ability. Now, I think the three-four is a little bit more, um, is a little bit better at stopping a running quarterback, especially with the read option. So, I guess I'm hoping for maybe that's the best word. I'm hoping for them doing a better job defending against Adrian this year. But I, to me, the passing game is where they can exploit Illinois. All right. So oh, before, you, before you move on, so is there is there any possibility that you decide to just blitz and try and make Adrian beat you with his arm? Yes. I mean, that's kind of I kind of alluded to that earlier. Where's the pass rush coming from? So I could see them just dialing up a ton of blitzes. I mean, cause to, to me, that would be the smart move. I, I I I like Adrian Martinez. I've always loved Adrian Martinez, but I, if you put pressure on him, he doesn't always make the best decisions. Yeah, so. the problem with pressure is is if with a mobile quarterback, if they get past it, then there's not usually a lot yeah, of guys that. there, and that's how home runs get hit running the ball. So, um, so Isaiah, there, there, there is, but as, as Kurt alluded to earlier, there's no pressure for Illinois to win this game anyway. So, so why not do it and just hope for the best? I, I mean, I guess if he starts burning you too many times, you got to back off. But well, at, Derek, at, at some I'll, point. What I'll say is Kurt says there's no pressure. And I think that what I, I think the coaches want to win this game. I think the coaches are definitely wanting to make a statement. The difference here is the fans. If Frost loses this game, 
our next show is going to be a lot different than his next show if Illinois loses this game. Uh, there is going to be a sky is falling in Lincoln. I'm not going to want to talk to Justin for at least a couple days. I know that. Um, <laughs> that that's typical. Like, even yeah. if we win, I won't want to talk to Justin for a couple days. You guys are dicks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> One thing ahead, I would say is, is watch out for on the weak side outside linebackers, uh, Isaiah Gay, Seth Coleman. They're they're they were recruited to be kind of pure pass rushers and they're really quick. So I could see them bringing one of those guys as the fifth rusher a lot of times to try to get to Adrian. Maybe look for that. All right. Uh, Kurt. I want to get into the score prediction contest here, uh, but I want to know how do you see this game playing out overall and then finish up with your score prediction? Okay. Well, I guess, I guess I do like the idea of Illinois kind of jumping out to, you know, some, some site, some sort of lead, have some momentum in the first quarter because it's going to be a pretty, pretty hopping scene at, at Memorial stadium East, although it's not quite a sellout by the way. So I was, Gonna make a plea to Nebraska fans. Can you start a sellout streak for Illinois for us? Can you fill up some of those remaining seats? It's it's getting close to capacity, but it's not quite a sellout. So um just a plea to Nebraska Husker fans, come to Champaign, Illinois, and and buy tickets. Um so I can see them getting out to a lead. It's kind of what happened in the Lovey era, the first big game. Illinois got out to a big lead. But then I see them losing steam and I see um Nebraska kind of settling in, making adjustments, and kind of taking over as the game goes on. You want my prediction right now? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I I changed this about 732 times before I got on air with you guys, but I settled on a Nebraska win 31 to 23. Uh, Illinois defense not great. Nebraska offense not great, but I think it's enough to push that 30 mark. And um, I can see Illinois with their great special teams, by the way. We didn't mention that yet. Knocking a few field goals through, but not having enough steam offensively to win the game. Is there something about special teams Nebraska fans should know? Uh, So Illinois, I think, has the best trio of punter, kicker, long snapper in the Big Ten, which plays into our athletic department overall. We're great at tennis. We're great at golf. We're great at gymnastics, and we're great at specialists in football. That's what we do. <laughs> so Get look for Blake Hayes, one of the probably one of the two best punters, maybe three best punters in the Big Ten. Adam Corsack and Tory Taylor being the other two. James McCourt's a good kicker, and Ethan Tubell. Who who mentions a long snapper? I do. I, Ethan I got, Tubell. He's he's the best in the Big Ten. I have to tell you, being a big Husker fan, I hope to see that punter a shit ton on Saturday. Well. Somewhere, Lou Tepper is saying the same thing. If you guys don't know who that is, he was the coach when I was in school at <laughs> Illinois. He loved the punt. It was his favorite play of, of the entire <laughs> entire game. Loved the hey, punt. Your punter, that's a hell of a rusher. He's back also, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's the guy that, that juked himself about five times yeah. last year, but still managed to get a first down. Had a joystick glitch there a few times. <laughs> He could have run in any direction to get a first down, and he changed his mind I don't know how many times and still got it. 
I know he was asked about that after the game. What was his story about what he was doing there? Okay, so of course he's an Aussie. His his excuse was he thought he saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you being serious? That's literally what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I remember that. I think I do vaguely remember hearing about that. That's oh funny. my god! And and so I said the ghost he saw was Red Grange, the galloping ghost, because that's the last time Illinois had one in Lincoln was when Red Grange was played. Literally, 1923. 23, yep. yeah, 23 or four. I can't. I, I believe you. 23. <laughs> wow, uh, Derek. T- uh, how do you see this game playing out? And what's your score prediction? All right. Can I give my asshole pick first? I guess. You're good at it. So I wanted to come out here and just be an ass and go, eh, Nebraska's going to win like 56 to 7. I don't believe that. It's not going to happen. It's what I wish would happen, but it's not going to happen. Uh, I, I do believe that Illinois will struggle to stop Adrian Martinez because they have not done well. He has uh, got a 7-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio against Illinois. Uh, he's got 181 yards rushing, 661 yards passing against him. If Adrian Martinez has ever had a team that he has played well against, it's been Illinois. Uh, I, I don't see him slowing him down at this point. I do think Nebraska scores 35. And, but I, 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 Nebraska has struggled to stop Illinois at, uh, through every year of Scott Frost era, too. So I don't think we're going to just shut them down. Uh, I do think this is probably the best defense we've had, though. So I think they'll stop him at about 21. So I got Nebraska 35-21. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I see this game a lot different than Derek does. Um, I'm nervous for our offense, guys. I'm nervous for this game, period. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I I'm getting more – maybe anxious is a better wor- word for it, but I, I'm there's a lot of commotion going on in Lincoln, and I'm a lot – really uncertain what our offense is going to look like, and I don't see our offense coming out looking great. Um, I, I know it's easy to say that we put up points against Illinois every year. I think it's easy to go back to that 42 points we scored in 2019. I don't know if I see that kind of offensive production this early in the year. Um, however – I don't really fear Illinois' offense. I think that they're going to have a hard time sustaining drives. And do they have a home run hitter? And and that's really the question. I think Isaiah Williams could be that guy if they could find a creative way to get him the ball. Um, I go back to that 2019 game because the 2020 game was just so trash. Their long, longest TD drive was six plays. Like I, They had 14 first downs. So if Nebraska can limit the big play – um, two of their draw- touchdowns came within 15 yards because we turned it over in our in their red zone. So if we can limit the big uh, and that wasn't a great defense for Nebraska, if we can limit the big plays, I think we can really stop them. Um, I don't think our offense is quite clicking to where it'll get to. I think Nebraska wins 24 to 10. 24. To, wow, that's low scoring. Uh, I don't see it too differently than you, Tyler. I mean, uh, w- when I look at Nebraska, they tend to start slow. And when's the last time that Nebraska has put in four quarters of football in a single game? I mean, you got to go back a while. It doesn't happen a lot. I think we're going to see some flashes of excellence there with the playmakers, but there's a lot of new faces there on 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 offense, young offensive line. Uh, I think there's going to be some mistakes, growing pains. Uh, ultimately, I think Nebraska does have enough firepower. Uh, I think they'll have a 
few big plays there. I think they'll win 31-20, but I don't think it's going to be decided up until the fourth quarter. I think this is going to be a really close game, and I think there's going to be some Husker fans probably on edge around halftime because we're not doing what we think we should. Uh, so, Kurt, are you going to be at the game? Yeah, I will be at the game. And in fact, Eyes on Big podcast will have a tailgate event at the game. So approximately two hours prior to the game in lot 45, uh, we will be there with our new whiskey sponsor, Amador Whiskey, drinking it right now, as is as is the host, Justin. Uh, we'll be there with some whiskey samples. We'll be there with some beer, some nice iced down beer for, for anybody interested whether Nebraska fan, not a Nebraska fan, doesn't matter. Come on by the Eyes on Big podcast tailgate in lot 45, and that's going to be one block east of 4th and Kirby, which is where the stadium is at. Is this the first time that you and Jeffrey the Greek has uh, watched a game together at the stadium? At, at In Champaign, yes. Now, Champaign. we did watch – we did get to go to the Iowa-Minnesota game last year in 2020. I'm not joking. We got – Oh, that's right. That's right. Friends and family tickets to go see the game in Minneapolis. So that was certainly the strangest college football game I've ever been to with nobody in the stadium. It was a great game. Certainly for Iowa, it was a great game. But this will be the first. It'll It'll be the second college football game we've seen together in the first one in Champaign and the first one with fans. Oh, That'll be fun. That will so be we have fun. A, we'll have a nice big banner that hopefully everyone can see from any anywhere in Lot 45. So please come by for some whiskey samples and some beer. Well, I, I'm I am going to try to plan on stopping by. Um, yeah, I, I I'm going to be down there. Um, I know there's um, some hate on my attendance, thinking that I'm a curse. You uh, are Nebraska. a curse, Tyler. What is your record anyway, attending Nebraska games? That's not fair because I went to school under Bill Callahan. We've talked about this. That's bullshit. I what think I you're like say- 12 and 20, right? You're 12 and 20 at games. I, I, you know, Tyler is I, the reason that Bill Callahan's not still here. Yes, I am. But I, what I will say is I'm undefeated when I'm there with my wife. My wife and me together, we're a super combo. We were there in 2019 um, with, a, with a really fun game that was. I, I think the – I'm, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited for this game. So what you're so saying is your Tyler wife is awesome, be there as well? Mrs. Tyler will be there. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and uh, Mrs. Tyler's father will be there. You can you can meet my father-in-law. And uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I am hoping that we can stop by um, and uh, meet you guys. You guys are great. You guys do a great podcast. Anyone that's listening, um, if you like Big Ten football, please, please check them out. Um they, I, for my money, the best uh, podcast out there, college football related, outside of us. Well, Kurt, really tell, us how, tell us how our uh, listeners can listen to your podcast. Yeah, so go to any streaming platform, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean is, is our platform, as I know it is for you guys as well. So you can uh, just, just look us up, Eyes on Big, Big is spelled B1G, and we should pop up. And yeah, please, please subscribe. Please listen. And um, I'm I'm Big Kurt on the show, and my co-host is Jeffrey the Greek. And I think we have a lot of fun, and we talk about all 14 teams, unlike a lot of other Big Ten podcasts that really focus in on, you know, the Ohio State's, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska, obviously Iowa. We we literally give almost even time to all 14 teams, so it's a good way for like a Nebraska fan to to get a preview of the upcoming game, even if it's against, let's say, Maryland, Rutgers, et cetera. 
Yeah, you guys are learning more about Maryland. I, I you guys got a Maryland insider now. You're fi- you're finally moving up in the in the the crab well, cake steak. What it what it took for that to happen is we had to start insulting the program to bring like to kind of smoke them <laughs> out and get them to attack us. And then they're like, well, fine, that worked. Okay, there you are. I mean, we we literally had listeners from every program except for Maryland. We couldn't find one. And then we started really bashing the program, and they came out of the woodwork. Wow. And how can they follow you and Eyes on Big on Twitter? Okay, we're at Eyes on Big on Twitter. Again, that's B1G. I'm at Big Kurt, B1G, K-U-R-T, and then at Jeffrey the Greek. Awesome. Uh, any last words there, Kurt? Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess Nebraska fans, enjoy the the 20th anniversary reunion of the 2001 Big Ten champion fighting Illini when you're in Champaign on Saturday. Can't wait. All right. Hey, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to do it next year. Excellent. Thanks, guys, for having me on. And that is going to do it for us tonight. Big thanks to Big Kurt from the Eyes on Big podcast. That was awesome. Special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter, at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to rate, review, and share. On behalf of Derek and Tatter, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Touchdown! Frost scores another touchdown! His third!